Hello and welcome to a new year, an entirely new year. A new episode in a new year. Yeah, for Doctrine and Doxology, I am Skylar Spradlin Steele in 2024, and you are still... The Larry Jones. The Larry Jones. And uh, we I'm have... the most important Larry Jones in this room. That's true. I will not contest that. Very good. And we are starting off the new year at the top of the new year. We haven't even waited. It's the first week of 2024, and here we are. Which is kind of good for us. Yes, it is. Should I comment further? Oh, no, you don't have to. Good. We miss a lot. I wouldn't say a lot. We miss more than you want to miss. We we should strive. I I think there are people who listen to us that are old friends sometimes, and uh, well, to both of them, I'm sorry. Yes, to both of you. You know, I like to listen to podcasts. I have my favorite podcaster people, and uh, it, I'm not going to. What do I do when either. they're not when they're not broadcasting? Oh, when they're not. Never like, mind. Whatever. If they close down for a season or for a holiday or something heaven forbid heaven forbid but well, anyway we're, we're not closing down i am glad to be here we're starting at the top of the week you're always glad to be here and so here we are but nothing's changed it's still me it's yes. still you and it's still the same content all i want you to know is we've been here every wednesday since the beginning of the year that is true and i've <laughs> I'm the most important Larry Jones in this room. <laughs> that is also true. Um, what are we talking about today, now, Skippy? We have been talking about church government. Ah, That's what we talked yes. about last week. Last but time. I don't know that we really covered elders well, very much. We did say that they were overseers, that they yeah. are part of the church government yes we did touch a little bit on elder rule versus elder led and congregationalism but we didn't really talk about what the role of the elder is okay right i yes i don't know that we've covered that you know yesterday it's been a long time since since this brain has worked in this direction yesterday I was on the phone with you, and I said, this is probably not the best time to talk about this, because you won't remember this conversation, to which you replied, yes, go ahead, this is a steel trap, (laughs) which then again, you text this morning and said, hey, and some clarification on what we talked about yesterday. But I, I knew the subject that you were talking about. Anyways, it my was locked in. My locked point being, tight. how come the steel trap isn't working today? The steel trap. Uh, I didn't lock it in, I guess. Left the door open. Who let the dogs out? Ooh, yep. Ooh, yep, yep, yep. So <laughs> then, I think we established last time, we do believe in elder-led congregationalism yes we do a plurality of elders or pastors yes leading a congregation 
that has the final say. The congregation has yes. the vote of the congregation yes. has the final that's, that's say. That's the way we do it in our church. And I think that's the biblical model. I think that's scriptural. Okay. I think it's challenging, but I think that's God's design. I, I talked to two pastors since we last spoke. Really? Yeah. I didn't know you had that many friends. Uh, they're relatives. <laughs> and they had to be there. So uh, You talked to me about this? Yes, kind of. One of them is, uh, is elder-led, and they make all the decisions. Unless it's yeah. something as big as purchasing land or, or yeah. signing a contract. Uh, and then those things are brought before the church. So that's the way they do it. And they don't have a member list. They they have a church covenant that people can sign. But if you're in the church a certain amount of time, six months, and professing Christianity, and if you're not living according to Christian rules, if you're if you're sinning without repenting, then they practice church discipline on those people as well. Because that was my concern. If you don't have a list of people, how do you practice church discipline? Anyway. Well, they're 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 practicing membership, whether they want to admit that or not. It's just loose. Yeah, pretty loose. But I, I kind of, that's completely on a different subject altogether. Well, you said you were talking about this. I think the Bible teaches elder-led congregationalism, and this guy you were talking to does not. Correct. Well, yes. I just disagree. Yeah. Um, I do. He's still my friend. I still love him. He's he's a good brother. Good. And a good relative. Good. Not a literal brother. Not no, a biological. Spiritual brother. Yeah. Um. So by that, though, I think that's where I was going originally. Elder-led congregationalism. The elders at our church lead the church. Yes. Make recommendations and do the spiritual matters. But the church still, we still require the church to vote, to make decisions. Yes. Again, I think that's biblical. But I think God has built in there a tension of accountability between these two governing groups, elders and then the whole congregation. Very good. So have we discussed qualifications of an elder? No, we haven't discussed that or what they do or... Well, let's cover those two subjects. Because I have two pages here. One is the functions of an elder, and the other one is the qualifications of an elder. Well, which do you want to tackle first? Well, to save me from having to turn the page. Qualifications. Qualifications. Uh, well, I mean... So they, you have two two scripture references, Titus, 1 Timothy 3, 2 through 7, mm-hmm. which gives a pretty breakdown, pretty good breakdown of that. Probably one and of the And then main Titus ones. 1, 6 through 9 is the yeah. other one. I would argue for a third one at least. 1 Peter 5. Well, let's read that one. Well, Peter's talking about not being domineering and... I'm getting there. Give me well, let me second. read one of those while you're getting there. This is the I'm there. Titus 1. I'm too late. Oh, my goodness. 
So I exhort the elders among you, Peter says, as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed, shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. That's good. That That's You good. know, he may be putting that under function, yeah. but I think there are character traits there, not as obvious as Timothy and Let Titus. Let me read an obvious one. You read I'll away. Read Titus 1. If any man is blameless, the husband of one wife and his children are believers and not open to the charge of being prolificate or insubordinate for a bishop, as God's sin, that is a, another word for an elder, for a bishop, as God's steward, must be blameless. He must not be arrogant or quick-tempered or a drunkard or violent or greedy for gain, but hospitable a lover of goodness, master of himself, upright, holy, and self-controlled. He must hold firm to the sure word as taught so that he may be able to give instruction in sound doctrine and also to confute those who contradict it. It's kind of a strange... Is that his personal translation? I did not check it with my translation to see if it was. Well, some obscure words in confute. there. Confute. Yeah, and whatever else, there were two or three of Yeah. But I, th- I think the point is there, and, and this is not, uh, it's not saying this person that always lives this life, always has in the past lived this lifestyle. He may have not been hospitable in the past, but to be an elder, he has to be hospitable now. Because, yeah. you know, we were once lost and now we're found. Well, I think what's interesting about, especially, uh, I'll just we'll just focus on Timothy and Titus, the yeah, two yeah. list of qualifications there. Is they're they're actually subjective. In in their balance with this objectiveness, because they have to exist, there are qualifications, there are requirements right, for the office. Right. But they're to be discerned in a person's life by a church. Yes, they are. I mean, how is hospitable enough? How is, uh, you know, how how well does a guy te- have to teach? How about blameless? Uh, yeah, w- what does blamelessness look like? Um, well, not a lover of money. If you'd ask you or me about that, I would say I'm not blameless. Right. Well, I'm just saying. Uh, and neither are you. I don't know for sure, but I think. Yeah, that's true for both of us. Absolutely, above reproach. How much arrogance? What exactly does that look like? Or how arrogant is too arrogant? Yeah, you know, (laughs) the only one that may not be as subjective is a one-woman man. Yep. Which there has traditionally been healthy discussion about that, anyways. So all of that's just meant to be examined in a in a man's life to say, does he fit this list? In the spirit of this list in honest ways. Well, I would think when you're looking at an elder to or looking at someone to become an elder, you start looking at these qualifications. And it doesn't mean someone doesn't ever become angry. Right. But it's not his nature. It's not his nature to become violent and angry or right. It's snap abnormal. at someone. Yeah. The trajectory of his life is is going right in this direction. Right. 
Yeah. And, you know, like like we said just brief, just previously, that you don't always live in that area. Uh, you haven't always lived in that area. Yeah, Before Christ came in your life, you were probably all the other opposite end of those, yeah. those issues. And pastors still have dry seasons where they're not flourishing in their yeah. walk and they're wrestling through things. And, and there may be times when there's things in your life that are creating some other things to yeah. jump out. Yeah. They aren't really you. Is the man repentant and ordinarily characterizing these traits yeah. and qualifications? Yeah. Uh, I think that's the standard. But again, I think it's a case-by-case examination from the point of view of a particular right. congregation. Right. Okay. That kind of goes into a question you asked before we started, I think. How does an elder get put into place? Yeah. Well, in your relative's church, I guess the elders would put other elders in place. I would assume so. I don't I want to speak for that. that but yeah. I didn't ask that question. I would think elder rule tends toward that way probably, but it doesn't have to be that Our way. Our experience uh, when we went on the trip to Washington and we observed a church with elders in it, it seemed like that's how they got their next grouping of elders. They would put some names together, check them out as a group of elders, and then invite them to come set in. But they and then observe them for a lengthy period of time. I think it was quite lengthy. But maybe, they still uh, maybe a year. They still recommended them to the church, and the church still yes, voted. Yes. Which is how we would do it. The church votes these people in place as pastors. So that's my answer to that question. How does a pastor get put in that place? Again, there would be disagreement in other churches and other denominations, even in other like-minded churches from ours. But I think the way our church would do it, and I think the way the New Testament would support, is that the congregation sets, recognizes and sets these men apart. The Spirit of God calls them, so the yeah, church doesn't yeah. call them, but the church affirms the calling of the Spirit in them. And that is the kind of final stamp of setting them apart. Okay. So, you know, in our church, if there's a small decision, uh, we need to buy a pack of pencils, uh, that decision can be made without a vote of the people. Yeah, so not everything gets taken to a vote. Right. Is that then subjective as well? Because... You know, some people might say, well, a pack of pencils is pretty important. Well, they could, but prudence would say otherwise. But, I mean, even still, like, there are certain responsibilities that our our pastors are entrusted with, I would say. You know, we right. don't. Right. For example, we don't ask the church to pick small group books or whatever else. I mean, that's the okay. role of our pastors. Something we've taken on and. Yeah, and so, but I also think at the same time, the pastors of our church are convictionally congregational, which means we want to submit appropriate things to the congregation for vote. And if somebody had a, an idea, they could present it to one of the elders 
who then could bring it before all of us. Yeah, absolutely. We have that built in. The The whole thing for us is God seems to work through the voting mechanisms of a majority in a congregation. We see that in the New Testament. He did it okay. multiple times in the New Testament. Why would he not do it today? And so when there are certain matters that affect the whole church or certain matters that require substantial wisdom, why wouldn't we glean the wisdom from a whole voting congregation? Right, right. I mean, it's... it's not, not a pocket of people have all the knowledge. Yeah. It's actually supposed to be a benefit, not a burden. Right. And so we we vote on... Sometimes we vote on things that we may not need to, but I would rather err there sure. than not. So. so did we cover the functions of an elder? No, not really. Um, you know, I think an elder is supposed to teach yes uh that was one of the qualifications was it not yeah they're supposed to be i would say experts in the word that's that's their focus their primary task is to know the scriptures and be able to communicate it from a pulpit in a classroom in a counseling session yeah day-to-day life as you uh, visit with other members of the church yeah they're the men set apart to know the Word of God so that anybody who needs or has a question or needs instruction or wisdom or whatever else, they should be able to go to those men and get an answer from God's Word. From God's Word. And if not, it's immediately, not, this is what relatively I think, pretty but this quickly. This is what I, what I read in the Bible. Yeah. So, you know, I think all that falls under shepherding or member care. Um, that's the primary task is to know the word and communicate it to God's people, praying for God's people. So I would say all the spiritual direction and spiritual oversight seems to fall into the lap of the elder. Right. All the physical necessities, administration seems to fall in the lap of deacons. Uh, And the congregation then makes big decisions together. But they're supposed to, there's an element, again, of these dual groups working in a setting together. There's an element where they have to trust their pastors when it comes there's, to spiritual there's matters. There's an element of submissiveness as well. Yeah. Uh, you know, the, the elder is, is striving to serve the congregation and trying to serve Christ uh, by being a shepherd yeah. uh, to the people. Yeah. Um, but there's also an element of submission that should go to the other way. Yeah. Uh, the pastor should submit to the congregation where his uh, convictions aren't in question or compromised. Uh, there's a scripture, and I'm not, I don't know if it's Hebrews 13, 17, but it's, uh, it says, Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as men who have to give an account. Yeah, it is thirteen seventeen Hebrews. Okay. And that puts a it's not something that you have power now and you gloat over that power because no. you're you're still serving God and and well, keeping Jesus, watch over the souls of the congregation. Jesus told the and you have to give an account for that. 
And, and Jesus, you'll be held accountable for that, yes. Jesus told his disciples, we're not like the Gentile rulers who lorded over their people. Right. You, we're servants first. That's that's the leadership style of Christ. You know, I think it's it's a sad reality, and, and I think it has proven itself to harm the larger church in our American context. But most pastors are given the task and responsibility today of event planning and administration, more like a more like a CEO or a director of okay, an organization yeah. and not like a pastor. And I think that's to our detriment. Because they're taken away, they're they're being pulled away from their priority. Primary function. Yeah. And and God has ordained that as the means to build up his church, the preaching and teaching of the word and prayer. So the more of this other stuff we expect or put on pastors, um, the more that role gets hinder- hindered. And the more that gets hindered, the more we are spiritually stunted in our growth. Right. And I think... But I, you know, I think it does also go both ways. Pastors have to also start letting go of things, and sure. not trying sure. to be in control of everything. Letting other members make, you know, some day-to-day decisions or do it their way or you know whatever else. Yeah, delegating of authority to other elders and to deacons possibly. And, yeah, and maybe even just to members of the congregation who are are good in a certain issue and being okay with how it gets done if it's not. How you would do it, that's okay. It's still done, and yeah. it's still to the good of the body. Yeah, as long as it's all God-honoring and I nothing contrary yeah. to the biblical teaching. I wonder how many guys would drop out of ministry if we told them, all you get to do is sit in your office and study and pray. That's it. No preaching after no, I'm. A, that's what I mean by study. Like, study, pray, and preach. Yeah, that's all you get to do. You don't get to come up with programs. Mm-hmm. You don't get to come up with vision statements. You don't get to come up with direction for the organization. You don't get to come up with you know this event or whatever else. Well, I am kind of torn on that very subject. I am too, a little bit. Because I, I think. I look to my pastor as someone that is in study and in prayer and preparing to preach, but someone who also has a, a vision of what he thinks God wants to happen in the church. Yeah, I, I can. I mean, I think he's the one that God's going to give that vision to. And then he can take that vision and spread it out and and let and delegate and let others carry it out but but I feel like he gets the vision from God. Well, I don't I don't know so much about that. I think personally the the idea of vision has been overplayed in churches. Okay. I don't think it all has to fall or should rely on one guy. I think that's why we have plurality of elders. Okay. But yeah, I mean, you're you're right in a sense that there has to be one 
kind of final decision maker and the the organization has to go somewhere the church has to go in a direction it can't just kind of go in 50 different directions i had a pastor friend <laughs> not not uh, a brother uh not a real brother no <laughs> a spiritual brother uh-huh, uh-huh. but he took a job in a church and his deacon board came to him and said brother so-and-so I don't want you to have to worry about anything except preaching and, and studying God's Word. We'll take care of all the rest. And that rubbed him the wrong way. It's almost like that's all you have to worry about. We're taking care of everything. And it's almost a a pride issue, I think, for that deacon board that they're running the church. Maybe. So I, I think there can be... Uh, some, uh, I don't know what you call it, pride issues, some power yeah. issues uh, that may come into play. Yeah, I think you're right. There can be some tension there, but I think my point in asking that question, you know, how many would drop out of ministry if this was all they could do? I, I guess I was just trying to drive home the point that we've so expected pastors to do so much more that some don't even realize their primary job is to be students of the Word right, right. and praying, and that they would actually get pretty bored with it pretty quick. Maybe. I like studying God's Word and praying. Well, I just wonder. And how, teaching. I Sunday just wonder how many it's would say. invigorating to me. I just wonder how many would say, no, I, I, I've got to do something else. Yeah, well, I, I was... Just in my head and not a, with a biblical backing at all, I would say pastor needs to kind of be in charge of the overall church, but but yeah, not labor well, himself down with all the intricacies of all the things that are going on in the church. Yeah, and I think that's where the challenge is a little bit. Like, yeah, there needs to be a leader, um, but I think the kind of leadership we've expected among pastors and modern history is unrealistic you can't expect one guy to do all the things that a church needs done of course not and i think that's why there is a plurality of elders i think that's why there's two offices elder and deacon and i'm just saying i think most pastors need to rein back on what they do and focus more on the word and prayer yeah the acts six yeah, Acts 6, where they set apart the seven. or Yeah, where they set apart the deacons so they could devote their time to study and prayer. Yeah. So that's that's mainly my concern. And I think out of that, I mean, you know, just sitting here thinking, if if that man were to just focus on the word and prayer, that probably would make him the one that people want to follow his leadership yeah he's you have a uh i mean if he's i talk to god every day yeah if he's the, the expert in he's the, the bible one that's, and, that's really talking to god every day not just my casual prayer or maybe a uh uh you know get on my knees before god for 10 15 minutes well i would i would think you would want to seek his scriptural wisdom what should the church do in this regard 
What should the church be? So I think he will have an inherent built-in authority right, right. if he just focuses on teaching and prayer. Do we attach ourselves to this organization, as we've mentioned earlier? Yeah. It well, takes discernment to say, well, now, is that really biblical? Yeah. And to really be able to say that, you have to be in prayer and in the Word so that you can say, I don't see that in the Bible as a function of a church, but to be separate and be holy and yeah, and just follow God's leadership. I think we have to come down and say that there's a lot of um, wiggle room here in the practical functions of, of the office, but we know that they're supposed to devote themselves to the Word, devote themselves to prayer, and they're supposed to shepherd the flock. Right. Let me ask you one more question because I know we're out of time. We're way Are there ways in which a person, a congregational member, could be encouraging and supportive to the current leaders in the church? Yeah, I think that's a great question, a great way to end. Understanding the proper role of a pastor is immensely important because then you're less likely to put extra burdens on him. You're less likely to blame him for certain things. You're more likely to temper your expectations of him. I mean, so many people just put their pastors on this pedestal, and, man, we fail. We fail them all the time. Sure, we would. (laughs) And so they get angry. They get devastated. They get whatever else. Or those or they swing to the other extreme. They don't put them on a pedestal. They actually distrust them. They don't, you know, they don't want to believe them. They complain about them all the time, so on and so forth. If you just realize that your pastor is a fallen man, but he's he's supposed to be devoting himself to the word and prayer and shepherding the people, and that's God's calling on his life. Yeah, I th- I just think a lot of good would come out of that. So free him up to do that. Encourage him in doing that. Write him a note. Tell him something specific about your, the sermon you heard that's encouraging to him um, or the Wednesday night Bible study or whatever it is your pastor does. Be specific in your encouragement. Pray for him. Uh, spend time with him. I think the pastor, it's super lonely. Yeah, a lot of them are. Uh, so so uh, You're not, I know, because you have me. Yeah, well, I'm double well, lonely. There you go. <laughs> So, you know, spend time with him without demanding. You know, I'm I'm not here to pick your brain I, or take I your advice. And, yeah, you. I'm just here to, to be here. Yeah. So there's lots of ways if people just be creative. However you want to be encouraged, it's likely your pastor wants to be encouraged in the same same way. I think one of the bigger ways, too, is, is also just simple appreciation. I think so yeah. many pastors feel underappreciated because they just don't hear it right people uh take it for granted yeah well you know i love you yeah why do i have to tell you yeah so telling them hugging them giving them a gift card a christmas bonus a book buying their coffee or lunch one day i think above all i think you should pray for your pastor every day absolutely if you're doing that then your your relationship with him will grow fonder well and i can promise you from my seat a pastor knows when his church is praying for him and when they're not. Okay. Absolutely. He doesn't have to hear their prayers. He doesn't have to 
be around. He can he can look at life right now in his own yep. heart and know when his people's praying for him. Yep. Good. We are past time overdue. Okay. I'm not just going to say amen. I want to actually pray first. Yeah, there you go. Okay. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for your wonderful word, for your wonderful gift of salvation. We thank you for the organization that you put into place. Uh, we thank you for our pastors, and we thank you for elders and leaders in our church. Uh, I do pray for them. I pray that you give them wisdom and understanding how to deal with uh, uh, people who are just sometimes not very kind. Uh, sometimes they don't show their love. Uh, but they they need to hear from you. So please speak through the pastors, touch hearts, and draw people to you. And may your kingdom grow. Uh Right now, just over the air, I want to pray for my pastor. I pray you touch his life, and I pray you lift him up and encourage him and that you give him words to say because we really need to hear you, hear you speak to us, and we love you. In Jesus' name, amen.